Hey, lover. Hey, lover. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. This is Scott Mickish and Nick Gill, where we talk about everything in life from pets to pimples and really hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, you are not our real moms. Do you want to start or should I this time? I'll just start talking. Animals. What do you think about them? Crackers? <laughs> Those are good. Well, animals, pets, zoos, nature, rodents. Uh, so much to talk about with that. So what's your experience with animals? Well, when I was a kid, I remember pretending I was in a Disney movie fairly often. Because we lived on 80 acres of land. What and character were you? I don't know. Probably some, princess. Di- probably some Disney princess for sure. But uh, so we have all this property and I would run around to it in it frequently my sister and i would collect like injured animals Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we'd get like a chipmunk we'd have like frogs spiders like things that looked injured in the woods and Mm -hmm. we would just put them in like this bunny cage that we had Mm -hmm. and so we had like this little hospice for all these animals (laughs) and we're like we're gonna name this one and blah 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 and uh, unfortunately they would all die yeah so sad and so and luckily, we never got rabies or anything. Well, really that's what I was going to say is animals. for all people to be doing that now, you're the, I, like, I walk in the house and in two seconds. Did you wash your hands? <laughs> you licked your so hands clean. I remember that, you know, as a kid with my experiences with, like, wild animals and stuff. And I, yeah. And then I frequently remember, this was, I don't know, I was maybe, like, six, seven years old. I would try to get the birds to, like, land on my hand. And I was like, I'm going to sing to them, and they're going to be my friends. And I'm going to li- go, go walk in the woods and disappear and just be friends with all the animals. And that was going to be my life. But mm-hmm. um, And then you saw the movie Birds. Then I... <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, I also remember, too, like, later in life, I don't know, it was maybe, like, 12 or 13 my dad took me out squirrel hunting because mm. i think my dad was always excited that to get you I, I, I would someday be like a hunter and mm-hmm. he would be able to take me out and work on cars and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you're more of the gatherer sure yeah yeah and so he he took me out squirrel hunting one time and i shot a squirrel and i think we found it like kind of like half alive and i just remember murderer yeah, I just remember like, <laughs> was a crow. Um, holding back tears. And I know my dad noticed, and he was probably thinking, like, mm. yeah, I don't, I don't think hunting is for you. Mm. But he never really, after that, he never really um, asked Forced me to go. Or, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, so my dad, I felt good. like, was intuitive in that way yeah. and just realized that I probably wouldn't be that type of. Yeah, type of person, and Trump and I, in a way, I feel kind of bad too that I wasn't yeah. able to be that kind of son for him. Yeah. And, but I know my dad like loves and accepts me as yeah. I am and for who I am. But and squirrels, so. squirrels are a complex rodent, because you didn't. I mean, you didn't eat squirrel. No, okay. we didn't. We didn't eat them, but we we just did it for like trying to keep their numbers down yeah, because they right. were it's kind a of nuisance. a little bit of a nuisance. Yeah. And yeah. but at the but no, I I still had a, a just a a life. You know, I felt bad like I was taking yeah. a life, and I right. and just referring to when we were kids and trying to save the animals that were yeah. ha- injured and whatever we were 
Right. So it just kind of went against that when yeah. I was got a little bit older. Well, I find it interesting because I think it's really important to develop a healthy respect for nature, mm -hmm. to know and understand the ways of the wild. And I don't know in the evolution of humanity where we started giving animals human qualities and characteristics that so for example in nature documentaries and wildlife documentaries okay so if you're watching a documentary about a lion and they're following the lion the lion is the protagonist and then if the lion chases after a gazelle for a meal you're like get that gazelle get that gazelle you poor lion you're starving and you need you have a family to feed but then if the documentary is about the gazelle and the gazelles surviving, then you're thinking, run, run from that nasty, evil lion that's a killer and a murderer, and they're gonna get you. We tend to put like good and evil on these animals that are just out there trying to survive. So talk about your past, because you've kind of had a menagerie of exotic animals that other people kind of are afraid of. Yeah. I think it was around 12 or 13 when I started to collect exotic animals. So I, at one time I had about 20, I think it was like 23 tarantulas and uh, like four or five snakes. And I just loved it. I just thought it was so fun. How did you and, keep them all? Were they like, did you have a big, like did some of them live together or were they in separate No, they were, all, they were all in separate in tanks. Separate. And then oh, okay. I think it went through my teens uh, as well. So when I started making money and stuff like working that I would be able to pay for all of these mm. exotic pets and whatnot. And, but I just found it really fun to kind of like create these worlds for them and their aquariums and create the perfect little environment for them. And I found that tarantulas in general, they're just like aliens. Like you look at them, they're just like so alien, like, like just mm -hmm. the way they move and the way they interact with their environment. Like mm. sometimes they'll like, use their little front legs to like pick mm -hmm. up dirt mm -hmm. and then walk it over to the mm -hmm. other side. Mm -hmm. And um, see the, so the fascinating part is I think spiders are probably older than humans. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, maybe. so that's just interesting in that perception too. Like we perceive these things as alien like, but really we're that we're <laughs> the newer species. Like yeah. we're the aliens. Yeah. Like they've been here longer than we have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I just, I, and I think too, like I always just had, I was drawn to things that people perceived as weird or scary or just they were unsure of. And I think it might have had to do too with me just feeling like, in a way, I feel like those kind of things are like outcast. They're kind of like outcast because mm -hmm. they're odd or whatever. And so I was always seen drawn. as dirty or, you know. Well, mostly just like they're afraid of it because they yeah. are unsure. And so I feel like it's in a way, like that's why I was, I felt a connection with them because, mm -hmm. you know, me being young, gay in a small town, mm -hmm. hiding myself, I felt a connection with them. And I felt like at most times I was like, you guys are my only friends, you know, <laughs> and the spiders crawling over me. No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. And then also living in like a rural area, like they don't, there's not like really any pet stores or any around to get mm -hmm. the food for them. And so my dad works in St. Paul, uh, about 75 miles away from my hometown, goes every day, drives that far one way, you know, on his way home in rush hour traffic would stop at Petco or wherever and 
Um, so you can't just, could you have just found it out in the field? Like, well, like harvested you, insects? You could do that, but bugs. then there's a, a high probability that those insects or um, whatever it is that you're collecting for food might have parasites or other uh, types yeah, of, of course. Okay. Or bacteria yeah. that could yeah. bring it in the, house. the health of your inhabitant sure your pet and oh, so so getting it from like a pet store makes more sense and anyway but my dad was so gracious about picking this stuff up for me and you know and i think too like you know at that time i had like a weird kind of relationship with my dad where i was like we got into a lot of arguments and stuff with each other and this was pre-me even coming out and i don't know if anyone else has had this experience but like pre-me coming out like i we just had a lot of tension all the time mm. and so but then that was one of the things i felt like it was his way of showing me like hey i love you like i'm gonna mm. do this i'm gonna pick these things up for you and mm -hmm. deal with rush hour traffic and mm -hmm. and so i in my later life i really appreciate that like mm -hmm. a lot and i just think that is so sweet and once and, your prefrontal cortex has developed and then i do um <laughs> but i you know and after i came out too, my dad mm -hmm. Just like after that, I like our relationship changed for sure. Like he was just so understanding. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just felt very accepted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that's another thing, too, is that like I don't think that is talked about enough in today's world is just the dads that do accept their children who are mm -hmm. in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm and and how that can really affect your life in a, a really positive way going mm -hmm. forward well on the judgment and the assumption that they're not so what changed wasn't his love for you what changed was your perception mm. of his love for you yeah when you are hiding and before you come out so that's what i don't think is talked about very much either is the fear that people have before they come out and that can lead to anger that can lead to a lot of lot of unhealthy emotions and feelings and again it's similar to like our previous podcast about dreaming and the difference between reality and you know rational thought irrational thought i mean it's all in your brain and it's all perception and how that perception shifts i mean i remember when i came out slowly one by one it wasn't a one shot shebang sort of show uh but over years you know first came out to my sister and it was it was very emotional and to go from that sense of fear to that sense of comfort that's in you as the person coming out like you know your family maybe has more compassion and respect and connection to you by coming out and being honest in that way and being so vulnerable but that shift in your perception is in you. You can start crying. I mean, it's very emotional because your whole reality shifts from feeling like people are going to hate me and reject me to that's not your reality. Your reality is they love you and mm -hmm. they embrace you. And that's an emotional shift in your brain. And it, you can cry and you're wondering why you're crying. You know, it's like that happy cry, but it's still this emotional shift that your perception changes. And I think if you come out and at first your loved ones don't immediately accept you like you're already in that fearful and angry state that it's hard to realize that 
there might be grieving on the end of the person whose reality has shifted to. So if your parents or your family or your friends either are fearful for you, maybe they have a belief system that makes them afraid of what that means, that they're going through a grieving process too. And they might go through denial and anger and depression and anxiety and all of that too. Whereas the person coming out, if you come to the point where you're coming out and you accept yourself, you've gone through all of that grief. You know, you've gone through denial. You've had time gone to. Which is hard to do on your own, but I really appreciate, I think it's being talked more about that it's not just that your family and friends and loved ones, if they have a hard time with it, that they're rejecting you, that they don't love you. It's that their fear and and their emotional response is so, it's a grieving reaction. It's a grieving process to realize what their reality is. And it could be replaced by a wonderful, amazing future of things to come, you know? But in that moment, it's the shift, it's the perceptual shift that even if they love you and they're happy for you, there's they might still have to let go of a lot of dreams, a lot of expectations, a lot of what they thought the future might be. They might have to let go a lot of that and, and bury it and say goodbye to it. And it's a grieving process and that takes time. So I get a little frustrated when people think that coming out should be a one-shot shebang, everyone's blowing kisses and having a parade down the street when it's highly emotional mm -hmm. like it's very emotionally challenging for a bunch of different reasons and that it takes care and consideration and time and patience and this whole notion that somehow you should come out to a marching band and and if not then it's terrible and an awful experience like it's emotional either way and mm -hmm. you have to go into it I mean, hopefully with a lot of support and guidance, because it's hard. Yeah. So kudos to your dad. Love can be challenging and love can be difficult. And it's not always puppy dogs and ponytails. And spiders. And spiders. Yeah, it, it's, it's <laughs> snakes and spiders and all of those wonderful, <laughs> creepy critters. Hey, I love exotic animals. But there was a time when I was, I mean, we lived in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm in the woods in Wisconsin. And when you're in these rural areas in the woods, you're around more, you have more creatures and nature around you. And there's mm. just, there would always be like spiders in the house and stuff. And like, I remember putting on, you know, like one of those like jean jackets. It's like a blue jean jacket, but then it's got like, like beige fluffy mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. It's like a very like dad kind of dad yeah. jacket, whatever. Yeah. And anyway, I just remember putting it on and like putting my arms up to get the, jacket on and then i just uh, this huge wolf spider fell onto my face Ugh. and I, and then it was like on my face crawling my face and yeah. like he, a big big spider and so i never put jackets on that way ever again so were you put, scared then so that was my question or well, were no, you i heard you look at the spider and go oh thank you for crawling on my no. face you lovely beautiful spider. <laughs> no i love exotic animals i just don't want them like on my face <laughs> okay. when I, i'm not aware of Right. Like, that they're going right. to be on my face. Right. You know well, it's a difference between... I took it I took it outside. I put it outside. Yeah. After I, like, calmed down. Right. And put it in a cup and stuff. Right. But, but after that, I didn't... Can I... Okay. There's another thing about jackets. Putting jackets on. You know in the movies when they put jackets on and then they, they don't hold their sleeves and then they just put their arm into the jacket and they've already got, like, a shirt. Do you know... I've always had this thing where I, like, have to hold the sleeve and then put mm -hmm. my... So your sleeve on. doesn't punch up. So my sleeve, 
And in the movie, it's always bothered me because I was like, oh, they're not holding their sleeve and it's probably all bunched up in there. I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? I have not. Well, you have now. Now I will. Okay. When I see. Well, they have costume. Sorry, but they have costume designers. So I think they plan for all of that. Like, maybe they put static guard in the sleeve before they slide it on and off. I don't know. I just know. feel like it's a disgusting feeling, like putting your jacket on. And maybe and it's like the 10th take, you know. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, we digress. But I was <laughs> going to say that, so beyond the spider in your jacket, it's the juxtaposition of where the animal is that makes it more or less creepy. Like the context or whatever? Yes. So the thing with squirrels is... They look so cute, like with bunnies too, rabbits, until they become a nuisance and then they're not cute and cuddly anymore. But when I went to the University of Minnesota, so one of the things that I first experienced was when you have people from different parts of the world, which I'm sure people from the U.S. when they go places that they're exotic animals and they feed them and they think they're so cute because they've only seen them on TV. I'm sure it's the same thing for people over there where they're like, don't feed the wild animals. But here you'd have people come in from different countries who had never, or even parts of the country that had never seen a squirrel Mm -hmm. out in the wild. So I think they're so cute. They're so wonderful. And they feed them, you know, they'll give them their crackers or breadcrumbs or whatever. And squirrels on the University of Minnesota campus would chase you across (laughs) campus. They would follow you. They would stalk you. You'd be stalked by squirrels where these things should be leaving you alone. And now they're bold enough to realize like, oh, you got a sandwich. That means half of it's for me. And they will stalk you and chase you until. And I had a squirrel that ended up in my apartment because it fell through, I think, the oven vent. And it was a small little studio apartment. And I walked in and. All of the picture frames and everything was knocked off the wall. I thought somebody had broken into my place, but it was about the size of like a standard hotel room. So you kind of look left and you look right and you're like, nope, nobody's here. It was just like somebody went bonkers in my apartment. And so I called one of my friends and I thought somebody broke in here and I was cleaning up and I was going to take some pants off of a kind of a hook that I had on the wall that my pants were drying on. And I pick up my pants and the squirrel that had broken into my house was in my pants. I picked my pants up and it's staring me in the face. And then it kind of like does a little and I just, my stress response, just fight or flight. And I flew to the bathroom and slammed the door shut. And I just imagined this squirrel running amok in my apartment, like looking for me, like wanting to attack me. And I stayed in the bathroom and I was like listening and then it got quiet. So I, I left my apartment for the night, long story short, and it took some time to get the squirrel out. But then once I got the squirrel out, I had my window open one day and I went to open the window shade and the squirrel was on my screen, like looking at me. And I swear it was the squirrel that broke into. <laughs> they want what they want and they'll come get it. They're coming after you. Yeah. And so it's just funny because again, these perceptions of this cute little woodland creature in cartoons and then when they start chasing you they're not they're not that cute anymore well i think that's the damage that can happen too when people feed animals i think it's called yeah at the park it's called imprinting i Mm. think that's what it's called um but when there is unhealthy interactions Mm. with uh human intervention with um wild animals wildlife and Mm. whatever and Mm. so 
I try to be aware of that too. Like, don't feed the animals. Like, yeah, well, and they you become wanna... dependent on that then too. Like, they almost lose their they well, their get instincts deconditioned. Are, yeah, are affected. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to yeah. do that because mm-hmm. in the long run, it hurts the animal. Mm-hmm. And like, they may get really comfortable with being around people, and then the wrong person kill them because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's getting too close to me. But maybe the animal is just like, hey, I just want to hang out. What's up? You mm-hmm. know. And so, yeah, be be wary of like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know intervening too much with with wildlife yeah feeding wildlife just, yeah, yeah don't feed the animals don't, don't pet them <laughs> even though they're so cute that reminds me of a, another wildlife story um, i mean the, those pigeons came and landed on you oh yeah, Wasn't yeah. That, pigeon? that was that was a pigeon i mean it sounds terrible that was during a volunteering <laughs> event when it i like held out my finger oh that was my disney, which again that was my because, disney moment well because i actually did they, get it because people fed those things. Probably. I put my finger out and I remember it just like came up and landed on my finger for like five seconds and then yeah, it flew away. Crap and I was like, I'm a Disney princess now. <laughs> um, but no, I... With malaria. With malaria. I am not malaria. But I lived at this apartment right next to like some wildlife. So it was right next to this marsh, mm-hmm. which is so cool. And there was like a trail that went all the way around it. And that trail connected to the Greenway, which is a bike trail, trail in uh, one of the main bike trails in Minneapolis. So I used to live about, I don't know, a couple blocks from work at the time. And to ride my bike, it was like way too dangerous to ride on the street, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you were more than a couple blocks. You were, it was far enough away where you'd want to ride your bike and not So it was, it was maybe like, like a half a mile. You could have walked it, but it would have been. The, I think what made it sweating. dangerous is that at like 3.30 in the morning when I was going to work and stuff, yeah. it was especially dangerous with like the cars and stuff like yeah. on that road. High traffic. So mm-hmm. I would take this bike trail at like 3.30 in the morning mm-hmm. to work. For one thing, it was not lit in any way but when you get down to this bike trail i had a little a little bike light on my bike and it was beautiful because as you were riding around this marsh the the moon would be out or whatever and it would like cast a light on the swampy area and it would be like misty it was like picturesque it was mm-hmm. insane it was like creepy and beautiful all at the same time i was time. gonna say so you could see creepy this and beautiful. swamp thing right right from the water exactly and so and I, I was like, I thought this was a great idea to take this trail to work. Mm-hmm. However, I discovered that I was riding my bike. And then I felt something hit my face, like bounce off my face. And I was like, oh, it's a bird giving me a kiss. Nope. It was a bat hitting me in the face. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were better at like with their sonar and stuff where they wouldn't mm-hmm. hit things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not when you're going fast. When I realized, though, like this, this happened several times. Like every time I went down there to ride my bike, Mm -hmm. I was getting hit in the face or my shoulder flying rodents by bats. And then I realized I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm getting a car. And so I tried to (laughs) pool pool my resources together because I was like, I have to figure this out and get a vehicle because I can't do this anymore. I'm getting hit in the face. What brings you in to buy a car today? I'm I'm sick of being hit in the face with bats. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was only one time where it like scratched my face. I think that was the time that drew, pushed me over the line because I got mm. in, the, in it. And I was a little worried, like, maybe it was... you become the Batman. It bit me. Oh, yeah. But it, I think it was just its foot 
or its claws yeah, or something that still, scratched me. Yeah. And it, it's disease. Nothing happened to it, but I, oh, uh, I know. So become I, a vampire. I felt bad that I like hit the bats in the first place, but getting hit in the face several times in one <laughs> trip by a Little bat, lot. like what? Yeah. Insane. So that's my story of like how yeah. I got a car, but um, they didn't go in your mouth or anything. Ugh. Yeah, like when you're riding your bike and like you get bugs in your mouth. Like, Ugh, yeah. Gross. Also, at that same apartment, this was my first experience into like getting into fish and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had this little betta fish, and and it is pronounced betta. Yep, that's what we learned too. Because I always thought it was beta, but it's beta. You better like, you better pronounce it correctly. <laughs> uh, I I love this little fish. I thought it was so sweet, and they have this. They're so expressive. Um, they're just very aware of your presence, mm-hmm. and so I had this little betta fish. I didn't realize, unfortunately, that you need, you need a, to feed it. Nope. <laughs> that you need to have a lid on the tank mm. when I was talking to the pet store owner they didn't tell me that I should have a lid on the tank and mm. you know I should have really done way more research prior to having this betta fish but uh, unfortunately one day I came home from work and I walked into my place and I saw this it looked like a little prune on the floor I was like what the heck is that thing is this this dried up pathetic little prune and then I got closer, and I was like, oh, my God, it's my benefit. Oh, my God. And then I was, for a fleeting second, I was like, oh, I can put it back in the water, and it'll, it'll rehydrate, and it'll be okay. Uh, but then it was, like, long gone. Long gone. Mouth to mouth. Pretty, I, I, was, I was close. I was close to doing that. I felt so bad. Uh, it had passed on. Mm. It had jumped and flown. To its demise. To its demise. Um, Oops. But we actually do have a about a fish now we do our second one our second well the first one lasted for about five four or five years four years and um, miss fish miss fish it was funny though like when and by funny i mean not funny our about a fish had had passed on and i found her dead yeah it's very mortified yeah well and you think that they're gonna float to the top but she was like she was sunk the at bottom. the bottom oh yeah, yeah. And then I remember we, we had like posted about it on social media, like wishing her well. And then somebody had commented saying like, so when you get a new betta fish, go to this one pet store and they've got this, uh, they've got a really amazing selection of a betta fish. And I, my first thought was like, how dare you? She cannot be replaced. And then right after that I was like, the, the body is not even cold. What's the address to this place? Oh, wait, again? she was cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, I think we gave it a little time, and then we eventually, we homed another one. And, yes. Um, well, I put her, I'll share the story of what we did with her, because and we, we, we had emotionally we bonded. She had, she had implanted herself on us. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to flush it down the toilet, as it's kind of cliche, and found this idea of planting in a plant so if you have a planter that has a fairly larger pot i mean the pot isn't that big but anyways but the idea of planting your fish under the soil Mm -hmm. so it decomposes and kind of provides nutrients for the plant and so i when she was dead i took her to the morgue which was our kitchen 
and put her in a little dish and put some water in it so that her fins kind of, and probably was a male bait, better fish, but we still called her Miss Fish. So she, she was, was gender nonconforming. She was fierce. Yeah. She was fierce. And so I put some water on her so her fins kind of would reanimate, covered it, put her in the freezer. So before the decaying started, because otherwise it would be kind of diseasy, but, but being frozen and then she was in an ice cube. So then when Nick got home, we had a little burial in a plant. We bought a plant, special plant. We buried her in the plant. And then Nick painted a little tombstone on a rock. With her that is a it. wonderful image of her that we were talking about going into business and you painting <laughs> those rocks of deceased pets because they're amazing. But just this little river rock and he painted her picture and we put the years of her life on there. And so now we have her burial plot among our plants with in our, their little in our um, kitchen. Maybe we'll post that online too when we're uh, yes. posting this episode so yes. that people can see the little yeah. tombstone. But and this is this whole episode is actually dedicated to a DIY burial of your pet betta fish, just so you know. Yes. And that is a really nice way to kind of send off a fish, though. I don't know if any people, like very many people know about that. Mm. Um, but I thought it was such a lovely way mm-hmm. to like pay tribute to one of your exotic pets. Yeah. And and that plant is still thriving. Like, it is. However, I thought that it would survive on that ice cube and fish food mm. for longer than it did. And so I think I went a week or two too long without watering it. And so it's back. It's doing well now, but it had a yeah. week or two. It was on a life support. <laughs> so if you do that, just make sure you still water the plant. The ice doesn't actually melt and do a whole lot. For it. Yeah. But then we have a new bed of fish. Miss Flounder. Different color. She's blue and yellow a little bit like of red flounder there, yeah. a little bit of red like flounder from the little mermaid and she's been a lot more lively miss yeah. fish was kind of a bizarre but well um, it, like it, she killed several shrimps several scrimps mm-hmm. yeah a couple of them went running for their life yeah like they escaped I, and i was just you know i was like i would tell her too i was like okay so we've got a cleanup crew coming in we're gonna take care of your terrarium Get yeah. it real nice and, you know, sparkly and all that. Put them in there. She killed her whole crew. Yeah. And I she had said, a little attitude. I said, I, I, what am I going to do? I got to, like, hire a whole new crew now. And I yeah. was like, this is costing me money, Miss, Miss Fish. Yeah. And she didn't understand. So I had to take her to HR. understand the employment. That is just dif- it's difficult to keep workers these days. I know. It's just. Exactly. And so now Flounder, she is a little friendlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they all kind of have that attitude where they're like, she's eating what? a couple of scrimps. What? Yeah. Yeah. And we have a pet tarantula named Barb that Nick takes care of. I do not. I, I will. I can look at it. I can appreciate it and enjoy it. But I don't really want to have anything to do with Barb. <laughs> Barb is your responsibility. Thanks. Yes. I named her Barb because tarantulas have, at least New World tarantulas have urticating hairs on their abdomen that they can flick at you and their little little microscopically barbed, barbed hairs so i thought kind of hairs, barb yeah. but then i also feel like if she was a person she'd probably have like an hr lady mm. you know like attitude and so i was like barb makes sense she'd be <laughs> like hi i would just like to let you know that you're not putting enough crickets in the terrarium so if we could have a discussion about that later that would be great okay 
I have my eyes on you. <laughs> and they're cute. They have such cute little eyes. They're cute. They're, they're cute in that she's never tried to bite me she's just like you know way. hey what's up i mean i know there are yeah you know there's there are tarantulas that have a little bit more of a an attitude yeah but she's just chill yeah. and she just like hangs out and... but isn't it interesting like why do they look why why do they creep people out so much and even like with insects in general there's something about insects that are just creepy and is it because they're so small they can kind of get in anything and then you can't find them and then it's they're gonna bite me and i can't find it like you can't control them because they're so fast i don't know if that's what it is because i think what it might be is that well in particular with mm -hmm. arachnids uh mm -hmm. is that they are unpredictable like mm -hmm. you you can see them on let's say you find them on the floor yeah they're and like then fast. you just they're, like... they're motionless you yeah. don't know if they're gonna like run left right and they're very, very unlikely to, like, launch themselves at your face. That's, like, what everyone thinks they're going to do. Only if you're wearing a jacket. Sure. <laughs> a jean jacket. Yeah. A dad jean jacket. Yeah. But And so I think that kind of, like, unpredictability is what makes them creepy. Yeah. But even, like, worms. Like, worms are basically harmless. Just worms, like, gross me out, creep me out, well, too. I think like, it, I well, I think with spiders though is that they can bite you because they mm -hmm. have fangs i think that's overall what people are afraid of but the chances mm -hmm. of you actually getting bit by it are so mm -hmm. low but of course they see all these horror stories online and yeah and like, i don't know God. again even if it's an insect that doesn't bite it's they're still creepy and gross like um centipedes or whatever yeah like a bird could do you way more harm did you know but like birds are like oh look at the birds right? yeah the bird well they watching. can spread disease it's and gonna stuff land to on my finger and, yeah yeah did you know that centipedes my sister hates centipedes i remember she had a thing against them for a while but <laughs> do you know anybody, do you know anybody who loves centipedes uh yeah okay in the in the exotic pet world people keep them well yes yeah. i know that if you have centipedes in your home that means that you probably have an issue with predatory spiders. So if you have like wolf spiders and stuff in your home, because- Because um, they eat predatory because spiders. Because they eat predatory spiders. Right. So if you see centipedes around, chances are you've got wolf spiders and stuff like in your home. Hmm. But then wouldn't you want centipedes? Right, exactly. That's them. what I'm saying, is that I'm changing people's perceptions on centipedes. There was a woman who had a cat who had a da -da 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 -da. Do you know that song? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> or there was a spider. Something about she's gonna die. Oh, jeez. Anyways, okay. But it's like the food chain of like oh. this thing is brought into the eat that, and then this sure. thing brought into eat that, Wait, and then science class or whatever. Well, it was just like a nursery rhyme mm. kind of song. Got it. But I don't remember the words. Our dog, Nayla. We've got a the Senji that oh. I knew nothing about before I got her. Yeah. And when I got her from the Humane Society, they said her name was Connie. They said she was a terrier. Um, and I don't know how they got terrier out of her. Because I looked up terriers and she is nothing like a terrier. Yeah. And so I think terrier is, rather than putting like a mutt or, or unknown, mm -hmm. they just put terrier as right. kind of a catch-all. And so I started looking up kind of what she looked like. And because then we had her a couple of different places, a couple of different times, people would stop us in the street and say, oh, is that a Basenji? And... I had already looked it up and said, oh, yeah, she is. But they're very cat-like. Mm -hmm. So unlike my previous dog, who was a flat-coated retriever and just could play fetch 24-7, mm -hmm. 
super affectionate, want to lay right next to you, would... I mean, Nail is fairly affectionate too, but they're supposed to be very cat-like, so she's a little aloof. Well, she also doesn't bark at all, really. No, unless she's like... Unless she really, really wants Really something. wants to get your attention, but yeah. she's she'll chomp at you yeah. with her teeth. And she'll also gesture a lot with her head, I yeah. noticed. Kind of do like... Well, like she'll gesture like outside, or she'll gesture towards the treats or whatever. And so she's very smart. It's like when you have a smart dog... Everyone's like, oh my gosh, that must be so cool. But it's like also kind of frustrating because then the smarter they are, the more they're like, I know what I want and you need to do it for I, me. I feel like <laughs> most dogs are pretty smart. It's just yeah. whether how the owner treats them or trains mm. them. I think the misconception is with pets that if you love them, you let them do whatever they want. It's almost like with kids. And I always say, if people want to have kids... They should have a dog or a cat first, especially a dog, mm. not even a cat. Have sure. a dog first, not something that will just go potty on its own. Sure. Like you have to take this thing outside. Mm. You have to walk it. Yeah. You have to bring it with you. You can't just leave it for a couple of days in the house with a little bowl of food. So, I mean, nothing against cats, but if you're planning to have a kid, mm -hmm. I feel like people should have a dog first. <laughs> and if you can't do that, then zip it. I think people should have a tarantula first, and then, then they can have children. Well, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, with Nayla, she is much more aloof. Yeah, she's kind of watching us right now. What does she look like? She kind of looks like a fox. So, And that's kind of the Basenji breed, mm. the coloring. So I came up with the name Nayla because one of my dear friends from Spain was with me, one of my good friends who was lived in the city at the time, went with me, and it was loaded with dogs. Like, every kennel had at least one or two dogs in it. It was the busiest I'd ever seen it. Like, it just was full of animals. And I couldn't look at any of them. I was like, I, I want them all. I don't want to look at any of them. It makes me sad. So he saw her in the kennel, and he had taught for a while in Africa when he was still in Europe. And so anyways, she's an African breed, and she kind of reminded him of dogs that he um, had when he was over there. So he actually adopted her first, but couldn't have dogs in his apartment at the time. It was like a duplex or a house or he's renting. He probably knew that you were going to change your mind. Well, that's why I'm like, I think he did it. I think he did it for me. But then he knew I didn't have a dog and I kind of needed a dog. So I think yeah. legitimately he was kind of thinking, well, you can foster her. We'll keep her at your house. Yeah. You need the companionship. But I wasn't ready to replace my old dog because... You develop this bond and this loyalty to them that you just feel like a piece of trash for even thinking about another dog. Like, sure. How could you dare think about another? Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to your friend, though, for saying, like, hey, why don't you foster for a little while yes. for me? So long then... story short, he ended up leaving the city, getting a job mm -hmm. elsewhere. And then that was within maybe like six months of having her. And then uh, deciding, well, he could either take her, which would be a huge pain in the butt, or I could keep her. And I was already bonded with her. So I kept her, and then he just said, well, when I'm ready for a dog, you can pay for the adoption fee for my dog. So when he adopted a dog, then I helped him cover the adoption fee for his dog. So I didn't know the type of breed. I didn't know what to expect. And she, yeah, is very different than my old dog, but kind of in a good way. So they both have amazing qualities, but different. 
and they have some similarities in how they've adapted and trained, you know, um, their behaviors. Because uh, they were both aloof too. Even my previous dog, he lo loved to fetch, but he wouldn't really play with other dogs. She actually plays with other dogs once in a while. Mm. But if we go to the dog park, I always say like she's the referee. Yeah. Because she'll watch other dogs, and then when they run by her, she'll kind of go, uh, and like go for like two feet, and then she'll stop and watch them run around. And then when they come by her, she'll be like, uh. And try to like she does jump have in that, front of them. That cat like judgment though that she'll she'll look at the other dogs. Like, oh, yeah, she's but... very leery. <laughs> like it takes her a few sniffs to meet a new dog. Yeah, but now that we've been, I mean, we go to the same dog park across the street pretty regularly. So yeah, she's been a great condo dog. She's perfect for this living environment. I remember downtown. taking her out one time to the dog park, and on the way there, there was this lady who stopped us, and she says. Just so you know, I want your dog's tail because she's got a fox tail. So it's orange and then it's got the white tip. And I thought she was just being funny. And she probably was. But, but was yeah, like, she gets I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? And then we started to walk a little bit. And she's like, no, I want your dog's tail. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, we're going to go and we're going to go to the <laughs> like dog. Like when she dies and like bathe. you cut it off and bang it. Yeah. And so she. Oh, what? She followed us for a little while longer. Um, yeah, there's something people really, I, I like foxes too, but some people it's it's like an icon. It's like symbolic for them somehow like foxes. But she does, so her coloring is that kind of reddish orange, kind of cinnamony color. And that's where her name comes from. So the reason why I was talking about how I got her with my friend from Spain was because we went from Connie. And actually I was wanting to call her Foxy. And then I asked, well, what's the name in Spanish for Foxy? I forget what the word is, but it's derogatory. It's basically like calling somebody a bitch. Apparently in Spanish, calling somebody a fox, like using Foxy as that word is derogatory. Hmm. So he said, no, let's not do that. And so the, the word for cinnamon is canela in Spanish. And so I just abbreviated it to Nela because then my previous dog was Nemo, N-E-M-O, and then her name is Nela, N-E-L-A. So they kind of were related that shit. Yeah. It's in, all in the family. What I've found surprising, too, is whether it's a fish or a squirrel or a spider or a dog or a cat, death is still very traumatizing. So whether it's you as a kid having to shoot a squirrel or having to say goodbye to your betta fish and planting them as a memorial or putting your dog down or your cat down like ugh, like death just sucks like it's part of life and you just i think that's the part that people just really need a lot of support and just understanding that it's hard and it sucks and there's really no easy way to go about it yeah <laughs> uh yeah Cool. That's the good times. Love and light and laughter to all of you and your animals, whether they're inside your house or outside your house. Just don't feed them unless you've given them a name and you paid for them. From a shelter or something. <laughs> or from a shelter. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Okay. Until next time. See ya. See ya. hope you enjoyed listening if you did please follow and share with your friends who might enjoy it too and you know what else you can do you can rate the podcast five stars if you'd like i love it i love it